God reigns. Thank God he reigns. Come on, somebody. Thank God he reigns. Thank God my enemy doesn't reign. Thank God sickness doesn't reign. Thank God my problems don't. Thank God my sin, my sin no longer reigns in this body. Thank God he reigns. Amen. My goodness, what a... What just an, uh, I've just had an emotional experience this morning with God. I'm just, uh, just so excited for um, all the stuff. Now, listen, we, we're going to get into this message in just a moment. And I, I, just, I, just, I know that some of you have, have um, big needs that you need God to do for you. You need something. You need something real. You need some, Well, let me tell you where it's at. It's in what we're preaching about this morning. It's in what we're preaching about. I heard somebody say just a few moments ago, that uh, they came, they needed to be healed. And they said, I came expecting to be healed today. And I thought, I didn't say it out loud, but I thought, well, you came the right day. Because today we're going to talk about the blood. <laughs> Amen. You have a need today, just go ahead and get your mind made up. I'm going to get my need met today because of the blood. What is this preoccupation you Christians have with the blood? You know, that's the world kind of looks at us in a funny way. They think, you know, why are y'all always talking about the blood? I mean, you remember we just got through the temple series, remember? We talked about how bloody that inner court was. I mean, they were killing and slaughtering animals left and right everywhere. They had to have all that water. Remember the big laver that hold, held all those, uh, is it called, baths of water? That much water. Why? Because there was so much blood out there in the inner court. It was a bloody place. And the rest of this world looks at us like, hey, y'all are always talking about blood. You know, like the Passion of the Christ, that movie, why did it have to have so much blood, you know, and all that? Those other movies about Jesus dying on the cross weren't that bad. Why, why are y'all so preoccupied with blood? Well, I'm going to tell you this morning. Let's pray. Let's ask God to be, please bless us. Father, I love you and I thank you, God, publicly, God. I, I, I want everybody to know. I want them to hear that I, I, I appreciate, I thank you, God, for God for standing your kingdom by us this week. God, we needed you, Lord, and you showed up. You were there. I thank you that you reign, God. Now, my problems do not reign. My situation today does not reign. God, e- even the facts of my life, no matter, no matter what the facts are of my life today, they don't reign. God, you reign even over the truths and the facts of my life, God. You can, you can change all of them, God. Even, even a, a bad report from the doctor. Doctor God, if that had been the result this week, you still reign over that, God, and I thank you for that. I pray, God, there are people in this room right now that need a healing. There are people in this room that need a, have a financial need. There are people in this room that, that need a job. There are people in this room right now that have uh, some situations in their, in their home life that need to be fixed. God, there are people, God, there are people that are making decisions about their future, Lord, and they need the power of your blood, the understanding, God. They need you to move in their behalf. God, have your will in this service, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Okay, so what is this preoccupation you guys, you Christian guys, have with the blood? And let me tell you, I am preoccupied with the blood. I mention the blood every day that I'm alive. I don't mean just blood. I mean the blood. I mean the blood of Jesus Christ. It comes out of my mouth. Every day that I live, I mention the blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Let me show you several things right here. First of all, from Christ's own words, the night before he was crucified, he changed, he changed the Passover into communion, what we call communion or the Last Supper. And as he is doing this, uh, it says he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to his disciples saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood, capital M, Jesus saying this is my blood, this is God talking, my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. One of the reasons, here, here's, here's the reason, and this is 
this is the reason we're bringing this up in the middle of this stronger month of, of growing together and stronger in unity is the blood is what makes us one. It is the blood that, that makes us unified as one people. As, as it's because of this one covenant that we had. There's been a lot of talk the past few weeks about collective bargaining agreements, you know? You know and, and a collective bargaining agreement means that, you know, uh, you, don't have, you know, you don't bargain and you don't bargain and you don't bargain, you know, but everybody bargains. There's, there's, one, there's one agreement that is made, and it covers everybody. And that's a little bit like the way this covenant is, meaning that you don't have to bargain for your own. You know, you don't have to hire a good attorney to go before God. It doesn't matter how much money you got. It doesn't matter how good looking you are. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you were born on. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're, what your last name is. It doesn't matter if you're from a, a well-to-do family or a family that's struggling. It doesn't matter. None of that matters because the covenant of the New Testament, of the blood of Jesus, it's the same for everybody. We all get the same thing. But here's, here's a way that, that it's, it's not like collective bargaining because there is no bargaining to be done. It is a covenant that's already set, you know, and, and whatever God has promised, it's already set. There's no bargaining to be done. And some people would think that's a bad thing because they say, you know, I'd like to get a few more bargains out of this. You need to read the New Testament, and you need, to, you need to see what the New Testament says about our covenant. Everything that is mentioned in the New Testament, every promise that is mentioned in the New Testament, everything that he says he will do for us in the New Testament, you have because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the thing that makes us one. And if somebody tells you they got healed because of the blood of Jesus Christ, guess what? You're under that same covenant. You can have that same healing. If, you, if somebody tells you they, they have been had their financial needs met or they've gotten a new job or God has blessed them financially some way because of the covenant, you're under that same covenant. You, it's what makes us one is the blood that provides the covenant for us. And thank God for the covenant because it provides all of this for us. And, and some, people, some people think it's a bad thing because we can't bargain. No, everything's already been handled and taken care of. It's a good thing. We don't need to bargain because there's much more in the covenant that you're going to get out of it than you'll ever put into it. There's so much more that is there. So let's look at some of those things. First of all, I, I, want us to, I want us to look at what blood really is, okay? I, I want us to look at, at, at a couple of things. I, I, I'm, I'm backing up a little bit. I want to share some things with you in this sermon from, uh, from a, a couple of years ago. I actually shared some of this a couple of years ago. And, and I, want to, I want to share some of this because there's some of you that weren't here and didn't hear this. And some of you forgot it and you hadn't been doing it. So those of you that heard it and you forgot it and haven't been doing it, you, remi- you remember some of this stuff, okay? So I want to talk to you, first of all, about the nature and the proper context of blood. And first of all, we find, you know, the very first time blood is mentioned in the Bible? I wish I could say it was a good time. It was not. It was a bad thing. It was when the very first born person, not Adam and Eve that were created, but the first person to be born, it, it's when he shed the innocent blood of his little brother Abel. So when Cain shed the innocent blood, you remember what God did? God went looking for Cain, and he found Cain, and he said, he said where's your brother Abel? And you remember what Cain says? He says, am I my brother's keeper? And God says, your, the voice of your brother's blood cries up to me from the ground. It cries up to me from the soil, up to me from the dirt. You have spilled your, your, your little brother's innocent blood. And so what Cain learned then, and what you and I know from this, is that blood is precious. We know that, right? Blood is precious. It, it, it is the thing, I mean, it is the the greatest crime in our society is to shed innocent blood. I mean, it's a thing you can be put to death for, you know, in our society. You can actually go to the gas chamber. You can sit in the, you know, big yellow mama, or, you know, down in Atmore. You know, you can get the death penalty for shedding innocent blood. It is the worst. Why? Because it is the precious thing. That's what Cain, Cain found out. 
And then Noah, you remember after the flood, uh, when they get off the ark, God begins speaking to him and giving him some, some things and some rules and some uh, new ideas and ways to look at things. And, and he talks to him about shedding blood. And he said, now listen, whoever sheds innocent blood, there's a, there's a, a special uh, penalty that was going to that because God said that in the blood is where the power of life is. That's where life comes from, is from the blood. And, and so, you know, when, when blood stops flowing through your body, there's no more life in your body. And so what we learn from Noah is we learn about the power of the blood. And so then, and then Joseph's brothers. You remember Joseph, the coat of many colors, Joseph, and, and how his brothers, they wanted to kill him. You ever, you ever told anybody, I'm going to kill you and tell God you died? You know, that's kind of what Cain tried to do, right? Well, that's kind of what jo- Joseph's brothers wanted to do. They wanted to kill Joseph and then go tell his dad, well, he died. A lot. Well, they actually did tell him that he died, but they, they finally backed off killing him because they finally came to their senses and remembered that the blood is precious and is powerful, okay? So, and then move on. Moses, remember Moses, the signs that Moses did. We, we call them the 10 plagues of, of Egypt. When, when the Israelites were in Egypt and God wanted to uh, uh, get, get his people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, God was going to send 10 plagues or signs and, and through Moses. And some of those were about blood. You remember one of the things he did is he went down to the river and God used Moses to turn the water of the Nile River and all the water and all the land into something else, right? You remember what? He didn't turn it into Kool-Aid, did he? Could you imagine if, if he had turned it into Kool-Aid? Could you imagine? That would have been awesome. I mean, they never had Kool-Aid back in Egypt. They didn't know, what, you know, they didn't know anything like that. If they had Kool-Aid, I mean, you and I, we take Kool-Aid for granted. I mean, Kool-Aid's nothing. Everybody gets Kool-Aid. But they never, they'd be down there, you know, everybody would be drinking the water out of the Nile River because it was turned into Kool-Aid. It would have been a big joke, wouldn't it? I mean, if Moses said, let my people go or I'll turn this water into Kool-Aid, you know, and it turned into Kool-Aid, they'd say, well, good, hey, keep doing that, you know. It would have been a big joke. But God didn't turn it into Kool-Aid. What did he turn it into? He turned it into blood. And you know what he was doing that for? He was doing that to let people know, hey, this isn't a joke with me. Letting my people go is important. This, this is not a joke with me. This is serious with me. God was letting us know. And so blood is about a seriousness. I mean, when you talk about using the blood in that way, this is a serious thing, okay? It's not, it's not just something God's playing with. It is serious. And, and then we have Abraham. Now, I, I, I think I've mentioned some of this in a sermon here in the last couple of years. I, I don't even remember. I'd love to preach this whole little message right here, but we'd have to, we'd have to stay till about one for me to finish preaching the one I'm in right now too. So, so let's not do that. But you know, when, when God first made covenant with Abraham, he had him take all these animals and, and cut them up and, and divide them. I mean, just cut them right in half and divide them. And then God, you know, in the middle of all this bloody mess, God had Abraham walk through all this blood and all these, all these cut up animals. And it was in this, in this bloody place that God made his covenant with Abraham. And you say, oh, well, why is that important? Because of this. this is what we learned about from Abraham is that the, is the blood is the sign of the covenant. Is because that promise that he made to Abraham in the middle of all of that blood in that bloody place, that promise is still in effect today. Every time you see Israel protected, every time you see an Israelite that is blessed by God, you remember it happened because Abraham walked in a bloody place with God and made a covenant with him. That's, that's what's important about this. And so here, here it is. The nature of blood is that it's precious and it is powerful. And then the proper context that we need to look at blood in then is that it is a serious covenant with God. 
That's why we're so preoccupied with it. It's because it is powerful and it is precious. The precious blood that was shed for my sin on the cross of Calvary is powerful to wash away our sin and to give us, give us all kinds of stuff. And we're going to talk about some of those in just a moment. And the proper context is to remember, this is a serious thing today. You know, uh, you know we're crying. We're emotional today. Why? Because... We're not talking about Kool-Aid. We're not, you know, we're, we're not talking about those things. We're talking about something that is a serious covenant that God has made with us over our families, over our health, over our financial needs, and over every, all the needs that we have. And, and the promises, every single promise in the New Testament that is there, this is a serious covenant with God. So now, let's back up to Exodus chapter 12. And I want you to see the first time that blood is mentioned as far as a sacrifice. Now, I told you, the first time it's mentioned, it wasn't a good time. Here's the time, the first time it's mentioned as a sacrifice. And, and when, when God gets through the first nine plagues in Egypt, and Pharaoh still won't let Israel go, he's still hanging on to him, saying, nope, nope, you guys can't go. God's going to send this one last one. And, you know, God said, I, I know he's going to let y'all go after this one. And not that God said, y'all, I don't know that he's from, south, uh, from the south down here. Whatever. But God, God says, he's going to let you go after this one. And, and, and so here was the thing he was going to do. God was going to send the death angel through Egypt. And in every house in Egypt, somebody's going to die tonight. This is, this is what God said. This is what's going to happen. I'm sending the death angel, and somebody's going to die, and it's going to be the firstborn male of every family is going to die. The problem was Israel lived in Egypt. And if the death angel's going through Egypt then he's going, to be passing over, uh, he's going to be passing over Israeli houses as well. He's going to be going down their streets as well. And so God had to do something to protect, the, protect them. So in Exodus 12, verse 3, he says, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb. Any man in the house, any, any husbands in the house, any dads in the house, any granddads in the house, Say to, say to the whole congregation, every man shall take. Every man. If there's any man in the house, listen to this today. Every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And they shall take some, verse 7, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Now they're going to take a lamb, they're going to kill the lamb, they're going to catch the blood in a, or gather it in a bowl, and they're going to go out on the porch with this bowl, and they're going to take some hyssop, kind of like a sponge. And I had this told to me many, 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 many years ago, that when, when they dipped the hyssop into the, into the blood, that the sponge, kind of like a homemade uh, uh, paintbrush, you know, you could say, dipped it into, into this blood, and they reached up and they hit the top of the doorpost, they t- hit the lintel up there, hit that, and then they went from side to side with it. What they were doing spiritually, and, and you could see it, but it just didn't, just didn't stay in it, is they were making a vertical stripe of blood across that doorway, and they were making a horizontal stripe of blood across that doorway. And when you put a vertical and a horizontal stripe like that, you know what you've done? You just made a cross across that door. Everything in the Old Testament is a foreshadow of the New Testament. What we see in the Old Testament is just personified and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And what they were doing is they were applying the blood to the doorpost to keep it. And what was going to happen that night is as the death angel was going throughout all of Egypt, when it got to a house that had a cross of blood across the doorway, the angel, could, the death angel couldn't go in 
in there. And so the death angel would pass over the house and death would not come to that house because of the, the cross of blood that was over that house that night. And so what they were doing is God said, you kill this, you kill this lamb and you catch this blood and then I got something for you to do with this blood. They had to appropriate the blood. You know what appropriate means? It means to make exclusive use of. There's only one use for blood, God is saying, it is for this. You know, we're not going to eat it, we're not going to drink it, we're not going to do any of those kinds of things. No, here is the purpose for the blood. It is to mark your house. It is to mark your house. So here, I want you to see. I want, I want, you, I want you to see the, what the covenant is because the covenant... You know, if I, if I promise you that I'm going to go buy you lunch today, you know, then that's just a promise, right? And you hope I fulfill it, right? But, you know, if I, if I say, hey, I'm going to buy you lunch today, I promise you, I'm bound by that. That's a one-sided promise. But if I say, hey, tell you what, if you'll help me move some chairs after church, then I'll go buy your lunch today. That's not a promise. That's a covenant. Because I have promised something if you'll promise something. And I'm only bound to my, my end of the bargain, my end of the covenant, if you perform your end of the covenant. You see, a covenant is not what you promise, and it's not what God promises you. It's what you have covenanted together to promise. And God's already made the covenant, and the covenant's taken care of. And if you fulfill your end of it, then God fulfills his end of it. And what is his end of it? Man, it's awesome stuff. Look at all this. This is a, and I don't, I don't have time to preach to you all the stuff that you get, but let me, t- let me just preach to you about some of the stuff that you're going to get, okay? And first of all is redemption, right? I mean, that's, that's the first thing. Because of the blood, we have redemption. We have forgiveness in God. And here in, in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, in him, talking about Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Lavished. Yeah, we don't use that word lavished a whole lot, do we? I mean, maybe when you uh, wrote a poem to, you, to your girlfriend, you know, back when you were in high school or something, you know, or, or maybe some of you guys are still romantic and you're writing them to your wives and you might lavish your love on her or whatever. This is saying lavish. You know what that means? That means God was, is, is not going around and dispensing grace with an eyedropper. So, oh, you need a little grace? Here, there's just a little bit. Maybe that'll get you through the day. No, God's not just giving you a little bit of grace to get through the day. He is lavishing his grace. Thank God he lavished his grace on me. Now, if I mess up, to, let me tell you, some, some of the best church services I've ever had is when I, was, is when I just finished repenting and, and asking God about something I had done. I had failed him miserably and, and, and repent, and all of a sudden, you know, I just feel that grace just flowing over me and reminding me that he's already paid for that sin. It's already taken care of under the blood, and it's, it's just an amazing thing that, that once again, there's another time that he brings his kingdom to stand by my side, and through, through the riches of his grace, he lavishes his grace upon on me and he washes away my sin. He, he doesn't make me feel better about him. He doesn't cover him a little bit. No, he lavishes his grace upon me and washes away and redeems me by his blood. And then secondly, there's purification. In the book of Hebrews, uh, there's a purifying power. And it says, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. Now, I don't know about you, but we use water to wash everything at my house. I mean, we actually try to wash up blood with water, you know. We don't use blood to clean, but but we're not God. God cleans everything with blood. Everything has to be cleaned by blood. The dirtiness of our life cannot be cleaned with water. It has to be cleaned by blood. And and the book of Hebrews says that, that 
in the Old Testament, through the Old Law, through the Old Covenant, that, that priests were constantly going in and trying to clean up through, through all the lambs and, and the bulls and the goats and the turtle doves that were being sacrificed. But none of that blood could wash away the sin and do it perfectly. But Jesus Christ, one time, went in and presented his blood that he had shed on Calvary and then sat down at the right hand of the Father. And there's purification through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, think back with me for a moment, if you will, to that Passover night of when God said, I'm going to send the death angel through, but I want you to mark your houses. And if your house is marked, this death angel is going to pass over you. Now, the, the nation of Israel were probably about 3 million people by some estimates is how many people were living in Egypt. And, and so this nation of Israel that was living there as slaves in Egypt that God was about to deliver, in the middle of those 3 million people, the death angel was passing over a whole lot of houses full of a whole lot of sin. I mean, there were people, there were uh, firstborn males in the houses of some of these that, were, that, that the death angel passed over, and he didn't kill them. And they had, some of them had sinned that day, no doubt. They they were not right with God. They had things in their life that they really needed to repent over. They needed the blood of Jesus, which hadn't been shed yet because this is Old Testament. But there were people in the houses that were unrighteous. They were unholy. They were not living right before God. They had done things that they needed forgiveness of. But you know what? Even though everybody in the house wasn't righteous, everybody in the house was saved. Mom, Dad need to listen. You need to be paying attention to what we're talking about here. Even though everybody in the house is not righteous, everybody in the house, because of the blood, because of the appropriation of the blood, everybody in the house was saved. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. And, so, and then we go to overcoming power in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It says, and they overcame him, talking about the devil, by the blood of the lamb. They over, there's overcoming power in the blood of the lamb. What is it you're struggling with? Listen, you're not going to whip it with your own power. You need, you, you know, you might, you might whip your waistline, you know, back into shape. You might, you know, you might whip some kind of uh, something like that. You might whip a, a, an addiction to food or those kinds of things, but you are not going to defeat the devil under your own power. You need something more than your own power. And where's the power to overcome the devil? It's right here. We find it in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, the faith that they were speaking in this lamb that shed his blood for them. This is where the overcoming power is. So there's overcoming power. Whatever is coming against your life, there's overcoming power, something to overcome it, something to defeat it, something to throw it down, to cast it down, to defeat it in the blood of the Lamb. And then there's also protection. In uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 22, says, The Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses. We're not telling this story chronologically because I wanted to save these last two for the end right here. Is this right here? Is because because of the blood, there was protection. Because the, the door was marked with the cross of the blood, there was protection. There was protection in the house. There was protection in the family. There was protection for, the, for, the, for the, that youngest male and for anybody else. I mean, the, the, the rule was that, but, you know, God can do whatever he wants to, you know, and, but there was protection for everybody in the house. The death angel didn't even enter into the house. There was protection because of the blood that was applied, that was appropriated for that specific use for that night. And then lastly, it was a sign. The blood was a sign. The blood is a sign. 
It's a sign that says, now, and this is back at verse 13, now the blood shall be a sign. I mean, it specifically says the blood is a sign. It should be a sign for you. Not a sign to you, but a sign on behalf of you. It's not a sign to you, not something for you to see. I know I'm saved. You know, I, I don't need the blood. I, I can't even see the blood. You know, I can't see the blood in my life. It's not a sign for, to me. It's a sign for me, on behalf of me. It is a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not, uh, shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. It was a sign. And when, when the death angel got to a house and he saw the blood was right there across, he couldn't enter into the door. The blood was blocking his way. The cross was blocking his way. He couldn't even get in. It was a sign. You remember, you remember Job? You remember the story of Job? And, and you remember how, I mean, we, when we tell the story of Job, we're all like, oh, man, you're going to talk about Job? I mean, you know, this is, that's not exciting stuff because God really let Job down. I mean, that's what we think, isn't it? We, that's the way we tell the story. God let Job down. God should have been there for Job. No, you need to understand, Job was protected. Satan couldn't touch him. You know what Satan was? Satan came to God and said, everybody in the, in the world is following some other way except you. There's nobody following you, God. And God said, well, if you noted Job, he did note Job. He didn't bring Job up at first, but he noted Job because he said, what did he say? He said, you got him protected. That's why Job is following you. You got him protected. He noticed that. And so the devil could do pretty much anything with anybody else he wanted to because nobody else was following God. Nobody else was protected. Nobody else had a covenant with God. Nobody else was was fulfilling their part so that God was fulfilling his part. There was no covenant. There was no protection. The devil was doing anything he wanted to, but the devil really wanted to get to Job. But what did the devil say? He said, I can't touch him. Because you got him protected. Read the words there. That's what he said. He says, you got him protected. The devil could see the covenant of God that was there. And he couldn't touch Job because of that. Oh, man, listen to this. It's a sign. It's not a sign to you. It's a sign for you on your behalf so that your enemy can see. God doesn't need to see the sign because he knows that the blood has been applied to your life. He knows that. He remembers when you said, I need Jesus to be my Savior. But it's your enemy that needs to see the blood. It's a sign to your enemy that God has given you all of these things. You've got protection and you've got forgiveness and you've got redemption and, and you've got overcoming power. It, it is a sign for all of those things that are coming upon you. That you have all of those things. That, that they, they belong to you. It's a sign for the The enemy has to hope. So, whoa, wait a minute. Can't touch this. Y'all thought that was just a few years old, but that's, that's been a long time. The devil said, you can't, I can't touch this because it's protected by the blood of Jesus. Every day, every day that I live, I mention the blood of Jesus. I'm tell you, Tuesday morning, I was talking to God about the blood of Jesus few hours before Kristen was supposed to have an MRI. They said some scary words the day before. She had peace, but I'm the dad. My little girl, you know. Those of you who aren't dads, you'll understand maybe one day when you become a dad. You moms, you kind of understand already too. But I'm the dad. She had peace immediately. I needed some blood for my peace. Sunday morning, or, or Tuesday morning, I was pleading the blood. I was pleading the blood for healing. 
was pleading the blood for peace. And in the middle of pleading the blood, guess what? His kingdom showed up and stood by my side. And there in my bedroom, pleading the blood of Jesus, the peace that she had kind of came to me as well and said, it's going to be all right. You know, and she, she got her faith shaken a little bit the next day, late in the day. And I just told her, I said, I got my peace. You had your peace early. I got my peace yesterday. Just lean on mine for a little bit. And she was over it, and it's like God just brought it all in, and it was all taken care of. Listen, every day, that, I, that wasn't a Tuesday morning thing. Every day that I live, I plead the blood of Jesus over my family. I see myself as a, as a, as a Hebrew father back in, back in Exodus. I have been given the command, every man among you. Now, if your dad or your husband's not a Christian, if he's not the man, he's supposed to be the man. But if he's not the man... Somebody else is going to have to be the man. Somebody else is going to have to take the blood and get out on the front porch and appropriate the blood across the door. Every day that I live, I plead the blood of Jesus over my family. You know, Job, there's another thing about Job. You remember, and you heard me say this just a couple of weeks ago, that regularly what Job would do is he would sacrifice for his family because he would think, he thought in his mind, it may be that one of them has committed some great sin for, uh, before God, and so he, he would sacrifice for forgiveness for his family. It just in case one of them, and every day that I live, I plead the blood of Jesus for forgiveness for my family. And, I, and I, you know, it's not a blank check for any of my family members that are here that are listening to this. That, hey, I'm, because you know what? I can't ask forgiveness for their sin. But I say, God, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my family that if we have committed sin, you will lovingly convict us and forgive us of our sin. And I plead the blood of Jesus over my family for safety and protection and security. Every day, every day that I wake up, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my family members. I mean, I, I, got, I got a family member. I got a son-in-law that drives an hour and a half to work one way every day. He drives three hours, five days a week. You know how much stuff can happen to you when you're on the road three hours a day, five days a week? I plead the blood of Jesus for safety and protection and security. You know, I got grandkids. You know, I'm kind of a little bit more settled now that my kids have grown up and they're adults, you know, and I'm not so wor- as worried about all the idiots out there as I used to be. But now I got grandkids, and you know what? The idiots, they hadn't gone away. It seems like there's more of them out there, and there's more stuff to worry about. And so every day I am pleading the blood of Jesus Christ over my family for safety and protection and security. And I'm pleading the blood of Jesus every day. I plead the blood of Jesus for healing in case, there, in case there is sickness that I don't know about. I just go ahead and plead the blood of Jesus for healing. And then I plead the blood of Jesus for help so that we are strong enough that no matter what is coming up the street in the, ne- in the next few moments. And Kristen, Kristen works in the school system. You know what kind of stuff disease-wise goes? Everything goes to the school system. I mean, it shows. And I plead the blood. Every day I plead the blood of Jesus for the health and healing for my family. I plead the blood of Jesus over our finances, all the stuff that God has loaned to us that we call possessions. I plead, man, you, you wouldn't believe. I, I, I really got, in a way, I guess I wish my family wasn't, come, someone wasn't listening right now. 
I, 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 stand, I stand on the front steps when my family is leaving and they're driving away. Sometimes when it's too cold outside, I go on back inside the house and do this. But I stand on the front steps as they're leaving and I plead the blood of Jesus over their car. I plead the blood of Jesus for all four of those tires to stay on the pavement all the way home, all the way to work and everywhere else they go. I plead the blood of Jesus for oil to last longer in that car and do a better job, for gas to go farther in that car. I plead the blood of Jesus for that car to last them because they're making payments on it and you know and I don't want it to I don't want it to to, to break down and them have to make payments on something that is broken down I, every time they leave the house I'm pleading the blood of Jesus why, why am I telling you this I want you to know if you're not if you're not taking advantage of the blood of Jesus in your life and in your family's life you're missing out because we've got We've got power. We've got protection. We've got deliverance. We've got overcoming power. We've got redemption. We've got, we've got forgiveness. We've, all of these things. I haven't had time to talk to you even about healing. But listen, every promise that is in the Word, and what's the promise there? Is that by his stripes we're healed? Well, what, what came out of his stripes? It was the blood, the precious, powerful blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, everything in the New Testament, every promise, you have it because of the covenant that was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. And if there's somebody here right now, you need a Jamie, come on. If there's somebody here right now, you need a healing. We're going to plead the blood of Jesus today. We're going to plead the blood of Jesus. If you need a healing, if you or somebody in your family needs a healing, stand up. Stand up right now. If you or somebody in your family needs a healing, stand up. Come on, come to the front. My goodness, come on, come to the front. Come on right now, in the name of Jesus. Financial needs. There's somebody, you got a financial need, you got a job, you need a job, stand up right now. Come to the front. We're going to plead the blood of Jesus today. You got a, you've got a family need, there's something going wrong in your family, you need to start going right. Stand up right now. Come on, get down to the front. We're going to plead the blood of Jesus over that family today. Come on. Come on down right now. You know, and some of you, I'm going to wrap this up right here because we, I know we're, we're being repetitive, some of you, because some of you still, some of you, you, you need to be down here for all three of those things. Let me say this. You may say, I don't have any problems yet. Well, guess what? The devil's got a plan against you too. He's got a plan against you. He's got something he is thinking about doing to you, to your family, to your marriage, to, to your health, to your finances. He's got a plan. I, he's got, somebody say Amen. He's got a plan, and and if you don't have anything wrong in your life right now, anything that you can think of that is wrong in your life right now, you need to still be out on the front porch because you don't know when the death angel's coming. You need to be out on the front porch pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't believe that Kristen was healed just because we prayed a little while on Tuesday. I don't believe she was okay because we prayed a little while on Tuesday. I believe she's okay because, because we have a relationship, because we're walking in covenant, a covenant that is serious, a covenant that is about the precious, powerful blood of Jesus Christ. And so if you don't have anything wrong in your life, come on, rest of you. Come on down front. Come on with us. Just come on down. We're going to plead the blood, and we're just going to mark our doorposts today. And Dad, get out on the front steps. Man of God, get out on the front steps plead the blood of Jesus everybody that is under you go on down you got grandkids plead the blood you got great grandkids plead the blood if your your dad's pleading the blood over your family but you got a little brother plead the blood over them you got a little sister plead the blood over them if you've got a, a niece or a nephew and their parents aren't Christians and they're not pleading the blood plead the blood over that niece or nephew you might think everything's fine and everything's, can I tell you something I, I'm, I'm not going to say this to Barry. I'm going to say this because we want prayer. Well, one of our one of our praise reports the past couple of months has been John got a job. It's a contract job, though. Guess what? His company got sold this week, and 
They stopped all contract jobs. John's without a job. Needs another job. The devil has a plan against your life. You can't just pray one time and expect it all to finish. You know, you better stay on guard. And God's provided for him for a little while. He's providing for him for a little while. He's, he's got a little bit more time. God's provided for him, but he needs a job in a hurry. We got to plead the blood again. We got, we, we got to stay. Because our enemy, he doesn't just give up and go away and say, oh, well, he got a job. I guess that's the end of that. Oh, no. He's got another plan, doesn't he? Man, don't you, doesn't he show up to your house the next day? Man, he shows up the next day at my house. You know, gives you a little pain to remind you of what God just healed you from yesterday or whatever. We've got to plead the blood. And come on, Dad, it's up to us, first of all. Dads, can we step to the porch today? I, I'm not talking about physically, but I've done that. I go, I go out on my porch sometimes. I just turn around, look at the door, and I just say, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood over this door right now. And there's nothing, 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 nothing. Go through this door. It's going to harm my family. Spiritually speaking, Dad, we need to get out on the porch. Spiritually speaking, husband, we need to get out on the porch. Come on, be a man right now, today. And for you that don't have men of God in your in your household, somebody's got to step up. Somebody's got to fill the place of being the man today. Come on, let's do it right now. Some, come on, somebody plead the blood. Close your eyes with me. Come on, somebody get serious. Get out on the porch. See yourself on the porch right now. Be, be, that, be that dad back in Exodus right now that is applying the blood of Jesus right now. I plead the blood of Jesus over my family for our finances. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I plead the blood of Jesus over my family for a healing. I plead the blood of Jesus over my family. God, uh, God right now, I want you, Lord, to give us give us uh, grace, Lord, and give us forgiveness, Lord. And God, there, there's a, God, there's some, there's some, some, un, some non-Christians in our family. God, there's some moms and dads that are standing here right now that they've given birth to some kids that aren't serving you. But if that old covenant was sure, the new covenant is even more sure. And if those that weren't righteous were still saved by the blood, I believe God that these will be saved as well. And I plead the blood of Jesus for forgiveness for every member of my family. In Jesus' name, God. And those that weren't saved, I believe in household salvation. I believe in household salvation. Amen. Amen. I believe and it's going to happen to my family. Come on, somebody say it. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Don't start.